What is up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Game Podcast. I am Matt Primo, joined by Chris Norman. What is up, everybody? This is episode 131, and on this week's episode, we're here to recap and review Demon Slayer, the Swordsmith Village arc, season three. Um, I just finished it like a week and a half ago, I think, something like something like that. Uh, finally finished it. Uh, Chris binge-watched it uh, here recently as well, so we are going to uh, recap it by going through the entire season and then jumping into with our thoughts, opinions about the whole season. And then we're also going to talk about our top 10 most anticipated games for 2024. Now, little disclaimer for that, okay? We don't have two tens we have two fives that equal 10 um and i'm gonna go ahead and let y'all know right now the the slate for 2024 is the exact opposite for the slate of 2023 um 2023 has turned out to be a great year for video games and music 2024 for video games so far it's not very good it's not very good it's gonna Um, it's gonna be a good year to catch up from 2023 exactly Exactly. Glass half full, uh, man. <laughs> I've never been the positive type. <laughs> Clean yeah, out man, the backlogs. I uh I struggled to find five games that I was like that was different than yours. I was like, I don't know about these. Like I'm not super interested in these, but whatever. We'll talk about it. So we're gonna skip the playlist this week because the Demon Slayer portion of this episode is probably gonna take up a big chunk of it. But one thing that I do want to make note of as we kind of close out the rest of this year, one, I got to start watching a bunch of movies from 2023 to get ready for the top 10. The last big release for 2024 in terms of music just happened this past week. So now I can start really hammering out my top 10 for music. And there's about, I don't know, 15 albums that are in contention for top 10, uh, which is which is pretty good, I think. So going to be handling a lot of 2023 releases uh over the next couple months uh as we do this kind of like mini deep dive into season three for demon slayer i do want to just tease the tip a little bit okay just just the tip lord of the rings trilogy deep dive coming shout out um so as we kind of do this episode starting probably next month maybe the beginning of january i'm not entirely sure about the timing of it we have we're gonna record an episode every other week um that's gonna be released and then or actually let me rephrase that i got that backwards got it backwards just rewind rewind a little bit next month bioshock trilogy deep dive series january is lord of the rings trilogy deep dive series so six episodes talking about two great things and uh following that we got the hobbit we got rings of power we got all kinds of deep dives coming uh in the near future so y'all be prepared for that um and then i don't know if i've mentioned it on this podcast before but um persona 5 royal sir possibly possibly hopefully hopefully very hopefully uh, let's see here. Um, let's go ahead and jump into it, man. Uh, Demon, Demon Slayer, Swordsmith Village arc. Okay, I just recently finished it, and it was one of those things where um, 
I, I watched like the first two or three episodes as it was coming out. And then for whatever reason, I just didn't really keep up with it until this past week where I, where Nick on our on our Discord, one of our Patreon supporters at the thirty dollar tier, he um he had mentioned that he had finished it, and I was like, oh fuck, I forgot that I didn't even complete that series that season. And Demon Slayer is like probably my favorite overall anime at this point, and I decided to go back and binge watch it, and uh, I'm not disappointed. But you have not read the manga, correct? I have not. No, I have okay. not. I, for one, am that guy where I get to compare the manga to the anime for once. <laughs> for once in my life, I get to compare <laughs> compare the book to a pro- to a movie or a TV show. This and... is what Christian feels like at all times. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I am not going to be really overall. I'm not going to be really comparing the two. It's more of the uh, which one do I prefer over the other. Uh, as we kind of get into this deep dive. So I do want to just let everybody know that um, I'm not going to be like, oh, this happened in the manga or this happened in the manga or, oh, man, oh, girl, um, wasn't as naked as she was in the manga or or something like that. You know, like I'm not going to be like talking like that kind of shit. So we're going to recap from episode one all the way to the finale. And uh, then we'll kind of give our our thoughts and opinions as we kind of move through the story. Um, and that's kind of how we do all of our deep dives. So if you're interested and you kind of like how we do it this way, go check out our Xenoblade Chronicles 2 deep dive and our deep dive into Final Fantasy X. And then shortly, you can join our deep dive for Bioshock. Uh, so, sir, are are we in agreement that you're going to read all this? Oh, yeah, I got you, bro. I got okay. it. Okay. I'm going to... Pass the buck to uh, Chris right here because he will probably pronounce all these names better than I will. I'm going to give it the uh, the old Mississippi shot and mispronounce just about everything. Uh, I feel sure with Demon Slayer, I won't get them all right, but I did marathon the show uh, yesterday, so they're all at least a little fresh. I will give it the good old college try. Sweet. So whenever you're ready, sir, uh, this is going to be weird hearing uh, be on the opposite end of this. <laughs> Shout out? I will allow it. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, Demon Slayer Season 3. The premiere kicks off, revealing the aftermath of the Entertainment District shattering battle, with Tanjiro slowly recovering back at Hashira headquarters. On the villain side of things, Muzan Kibutsuji sends two of his upper-ranked demons, Gyoko and Hantingu, on a new quest. Zenitsu and Inosuke are sent on separate missions, while Tanjiro and Nezuko head to Swordsmith Village to get their sword repaired. While there, he meets both the Love and Mist Hashiras. The Mist Hashira is seen training with a mechanical training doll, and Tunjiro, with the help of Swordsmith child Kotestu, yep, might have got that one wrong, <laughs> levels up his abilities with a new <laughs> scent detection power. <laughs> he uses it to shatter the mechanical doll, which reveals a centuries-old sword inside. Unfortunately for the duo, they don't get much time to dig into its origins as upper-ranked demons Hantingu and Gyoku invade the village. It's right, revealed so that Hunt Right right there for a second. That's going to kind of... They're, they're teasing... For those who haven't read the manga, I'm not going to spoil anything, but that little portion teases towards the end of the series. They're already kind of laying the groundwork for 
for kind of the lore and the world that's being built uh, towards the end of the show uh, or the series. So that was that's actually kind of important information to it doesn't doesn't seem like a whole lot. It might seem like filler if you're if you haven't read the manga or anything like that, but it's actually kind of important uh, as you move through the uh, move through the series. Well, yeah, and also if if you're I'm assuming if you're interested in this recap and review at all, it's because you've watched prior seasons of Demon Slayer. It is very, very Demon Slayer-esque to introduce the characters and tell you very little about them. So I do like how they just, like you meet Tokuto the Mist Hashira and Miss Kanjiro the uh, the Love Hashira, but it just, it, it, it kind of gives you first impressions in the intro episodes and kind of makes you, it kind of sets the tone of how you think you're going to feel about them. And in true Demon Slayer fashion, as we go further, no super spoilers, but you, you kind of get what you expect. You either, you either change your mind or you don't. Demon Slayer is very good about that, but we'll, we'll get there, I guess. Pretty solid first two or three episodes, in my opinion. It, it kind of it picks up right where the prior season left off, just like I started out. And then it just throws you balls deep into something new very quickly. So, So I want to compare... The first couple of episodes of season three with season two, the entertainment district arc. I think, because that's going to be kind of the thing. I mean, everybody's going to compare seasons one, two, and three. Um, I still think season one is by far the best. I think it has the best plot, the best character development. Uh, it, it's more serious in tone, which I prefer <laughs> over the more anime-like uh, silliness that they kind of went with with the last two seasons. But the first couple of episodes of this season, I think, are slightly better than the first couple of episodes of Entertainment District. And I'm not talking like the Mugen Train arc. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Entertainment District episodes. Um, I think these episodes are just a little bit more interesting, whereas those kind of just feel like, okay, like we need to get through this to get to the good shit, man. Like this is kind of boring, to be honest with you. Um so I, I do prefer these first few episodes over season two. Yeah, fair enough. All right. And yeah. And, and anytime you want me to stop, just stop me. Cause I don't know what your breaking points are. So just tell me to shut up. I'm fucking winging it, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, then it's revealed that Huntingu especially is extremely hard to kill. Every time he is beheaded, his body splits into two new forms with two new personas. Tanjiro is picked up by a swooping Hantingu, while Katestu and Miss Hashira Muichiro have to deal with Gyoko's assault. Um, just real quick right there, this one particular scene is so dope. Uh, it's, it's not something that stands out. Like, if I could go back and just pick my three favorite fight sequences or my three favorite scenes from the whole season, this probably wouldn't be one of them. But just the fact that you have a new and refreshing style of demon and... You, you get the typical anime ass whipping of the protagonist to begin with. And that's kind of where we're at right now because he's obviously got to figure out what he's dealing with and how to deal with it. But just, just the character design behind this particular demon, I was in love with. I was like, that is dude looks cool. Sounds cool. And the concept of how his powers work are just phenomenal. I think, I think the show, you know, when, when you first like get into the series, you think, Okay, they had to behead the the demons and whatnot, and it's like okay, like I don't know that 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 seems like it could get kind of stale after a while, you know. It kind of like okay, like let me just go behead this fucking demon, right? But yeah. I, I do appreciate the fact that 
they changed up like a, like a decent amount with how to kill these uh, upper rank demons and whatnot. It's not just straight cutting the head off or or stabbing in the heart or or doing anything like that. Like like there's actually kind of like some puzzles behind how to kill them. Sure, I appreciate. It. Well, they they did a good job of explaining that back plot too, because up until now, for like the last, it, you know, it, it it's explained it in the first couple episodes of this particular season. Um, with Muzan, he says it's the first time an upper rank has been killed in a hundred years, uh, from the Entertainment District arc. So mm. up until now, most of the Hashira that are alive, if not, I guess all of them, have never had to do anything except for behead one, because basic level demons is all you have to do. So it seems still, but it's all they really expect to ever have to do, you know, kind of just rock the whole world. What do What do you think about uh? The two demons, the two upper rank demons. We got, uh, let's see, Hentengu, and then we have Gyoko. Um, probably saying those wrong. Go fuck yourselves. Uh, Close enough. What do you think about those two? Like design, uh, their whole backstories, everything. Uh, Hentengu was definitely my favorite. Um. The first form design was just pure D dog shit, but then you realize why and that it had to be. So it was explained very well. His powers were just awesome. And the backstory behind him was kind of basic for a B plot character, but at the same time, like, made sense. Like, I got it by the time they explained it. Uh, I do not care for Gyoko. Makes me very uncomfortable, even for a demon. I, at some point, I was just like, man, that dude's a freak. But I guess that was the point. <laughs> the, the design looked cool. The design looked pretty cool. But like a genie uh, in a bottle kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. The, I, it it was his his voice acting kind of creeped me to fuck out. Did dude just unsettling, very unsettling. And I get it. It's demon slayer. It's not supposed to be friendly. But at the same time, I was just like, mm, it's a bit too much there, pot guy. I don't I don't know about you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mid-battle with Hantingu, who is now split into four different personalities, Hanjiro discovers they each represent an emotion, joy, anger, pleasure, and sorrow. He attempts to turn the tide, almost rescuing Nezuko and Ginya simultaneously, but the pleasure demon persona, Karaku, returns and attacks the trio. With all hope lost, the love Hashira Mitsuri joins the fray. This rolls us into almost the mid-season break. Episode 5, Bright Red Sword, featured Muichiro hunting for his new blade while also being confronted by Gyoko and his perverse art featuring dead swordsmiths. This is when I got uncomfortable. I was just like, that is so Demon Slayer, but at the same time, creepy as fuck. It was fucking dope, man. That shit was fucking dope. (laughs) And then he just just turned it. I was like, oh. I've never had a, an anime hurt me before, but I physically felt that one. You know, that's one thing about Demon Slayer that I, I, I really love is the fact that I wouldn't I wouldn't consider it like a horror genre or anything like that, but it has like horror elements throughout, and it's very... Yeah. Uh, it, it's got those elements throughout. Like, it's definitely dealing with demons and shit like that, and that's, I mean, that's fucking horror at its finest, right? And I, I just I, I love that it's not necessarily a scary anime, but it's more like grotesque and more evil and sinister like. And mm-hmm. I, I definitely like 
that I think that's what draws me to Demon Slayer more so than anything. Yeah, it no, that's like completely the, uh, fair. The 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 atmosphere of it, I guess you could say. Well, and the the animation in comparison to pretty much any other anime out there is so superior that the the grotesque environment is just illuminated by how good the animation is to begin with. I mean, it's just you're right. Environmentally, it is probably my favorite. I I think it's the best animation. Oh no, it is it is the best animation, but uh, as a standalone environment within an anime, coupled with how good the animation is, it's probably my favorite environment. Agreed. I agree. Oh, let's see. The Mist Hashira Tokito is seemingly defeated and trapped in a floating pool of water at the start of his battle with Gyoko. Tanjiro, meanwhile, is rescued by Nezuko and eventually powers up his blade thanks to his sister's demon blood. With the flaming red blade in tow, he's able to behead three of Hantengu's personas. The fourth no. is simultaneously beheaded by Ginya, though it seems that he is transformed into a demon. Yeah, that I was about. Love. Yeah, when that. Oh my god. We, I, I wish we hadn't just gone off about how good the animations are because that scene was so much better than the last one. <laughs> <laughs> but this, I, I think, towards the end of the series of the season, uh, with the final like final part of the fight, I think is probably the overall like dopest moment. But this has one of my favorite moments in the in the series as a whole. Um, I, I think the fight, him kind of really kind of touching the tip of his powers a little bit and just slaying some fucking demons all with one attack was fucking dope. And yeah, it, it does a really good job too of highlighting how overpowered that one like isolated attack was because this dude had been getting his ass kicked for like a full episode and a half now. And then in like a two minute flashback where he has a memory and then a 30-second buildup of, like, a Kaioken or whatever, and then a 30-second attack. Like, in three minutes, he essentially beheads three of them at one time. I mean, just, just the jump from what that one attack can do. It's like you said. He was just, like, touching the tip of the power he didn't even know he had. So good. So good. In true anime fashion, mind you, but still so good. You know the um, – it, it showed it in the uh, in the trailer, and it's in the manga as well, and it's one of my favorite fucking – panels i i have like two or three panels that i just distinctly remember and they're fucking dope um it's it is like his eyes white out and he's got the blood dripping from his face and he's like screaming and that's when he attacks dude it's so fucking cool so cool sounds pretty cool oh my bad lost my place all right all is not lost however in the sixth episode, as Ginya manages to regain much of his humanity in order to chase down a fifth tiny demon and help slay Hantingu, he is attacked from behind by the anger demon Sekido, which makes him reminisce about how a, a past demon, later revealed to be his own mother, attacked and killed five of his siblings. Tanjiro eventually saves Ginya, though he is still badly wounded by a spear attack from Sekido. Thanks to Ginya holding the anger demon off, Tanjiro then sees an opportunity to take down Huntingu once and for all. It's a chance so, he doesn't quite. Oh, I'm sorry. Go hold ahead. Hold on one second. So, what do you think about the aspect that he he beheads them and then he realizes, oh, there's this fucking tiny little demon hiding in the woods, and it's so funny to me, and it's it's different at the same time where. 
you know, all of these upper rank demons are are fierce, they're scary, they're very fucking powerful and and whatnot. And then we have this one demon. He's he's fucking tiny and he's scared as shit about everything and he does not want to fight. I, um, I like the fact that they can they did something different there. Yeah, yeah, I know the irony was just terrific. I mean, mind you, I, I I thought it was well done. I don't really know what the message was they were trying to go for. It did confuse me a little bit about how the four emotions split apart, but fear was the only one left for the fifth. I was, I, I kind of thought that fear being the lead personality was just a little odd how they wrote it that way, but I mean, it worked. It worked for the flow of the show, which I'm assuming worked for the flow of the manga too. And it was so cool that without everybody there to back him up, he wasn't just tiny in, in his heart. He was actually tiny, like a, like, like seven inches tall, tiny. It was, <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> like, like one of these action figures. <laughs> yes. Literally one of those action figures. You know, what have been really cool is if they would have done like a dichotomy of the fear and did like two different sides of fear because they they should have done like him actually being fearful like him being scared and stuff like that and then him like exacting fear on other people i think that'd have been fucking cool if they would have done both out of the same demon what well, I, I think they kind of did but did they though um i think uh let me get there i I have symbolism to compare to what you just said. I can't guarantee that that's how they meant to write it, but that's honestly kind of how I took it when I saw it. All right. All right. Tanjiro then sees an opportunity to take down Han Tingu once and for all. It's a chance he doesn't quite get to take, however. Starting in the seventh episode, it is revealed that Han Tingu's anger demon has consumed the remaining emotions. Muichiro, meanwhile, eventually breaks free of his aquatic prison base with the help of Kotetsu. Um... This was real Goku in the chamber on the way to Namaki, and it was just way too long, in my opinion. Like, if I could critique the first thing that I'm going to critique from this season, Muichiro somehow didn't drown for, like, four hours. Like, <laughs> I, I understand that it was flashing back and forth, and this was all supposed to be, like, a five-minute time span, but he was just in that in that water vase for way too damn long. Like, three episodes is too much, man. Like by the, I remember thinking this when I watched it as the season was coming out because back then I was watching it week to week and it was pissing me off even more. But even just watching it episode per episode, minute per minute, I was like, this is just they've had so many conversations that you can't even say this was less than five minutes. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I agree. Got real Goku pod vibes. Went on way too long. Way too long. But he does break out, and it's cool how he does it. Uh, the eighth episode sees Muichiro reminisce about his family. Much like Ginya, his past is punctuated by fateful encounters with demons, including the one that murdered his twin brother. After the flashback, Tanjiro style marks the... I'm sorry. Tanjiro style marks appear on the Mist Hashira's face, which enhances his abilities. So um, I'm this is right one there. of my... Oh yeah, okay, me too. You first. Oh, go, go you, you sure? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I was very confused by this scene, super fucking confused, because we have the the episodes called the Moo and Muchiro, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, You got Muchiro, who is the actual Hashra, and then you have Yuchiro, which is his his brother. 
His brother is kind of a dick. He doesn't want to help people when they're little. He's kind of just, you know, let's protect our own kind of thing. And then Muchiro is more, let's, let's help people. Let's, let's, let's go become uh, swordsmiths and Hashras and demon slayers. And let's go fucking slay some bitches. Right. Mm-hmm. So when they do that episode, they, they do the flashbacks and it makes it seem like, I don't know, the, the, the storytelling was a little confusing there. It made it, they made it seem like the good brother died. And then the one that was more, I don't want to say evil, but more like a dick, he took his brother's name to honor him, which would be the Mu in Muchiro title for the episode. But that's not the case. That's not the case whatsoever. It, it's actually the reverse. The good brother takes on the persona of the dead brother, the one that was kind of a dick, and it isn't until he meets Tanjiro in one of these episodes that he kind of flips the script and goes back to his old personality of wanting to help people and being more, I guess, positive and energetic and shit like that. So I don't know if you caught that or if you had issues with that. I, the storytelling aspect of that episode was was a little confusing. No, actually, up until I rewatched it, I thought Muichiro was the bad brother. The first time I watched it, when I was watching it week to week, I actually thought that. And to be honest with you, when I realized that that wasn't the case, I was a little let down because I thought that would have personally been better storytelling, in my opinion. But cool. even so, it is because they it's, it's every time Yuichiro would talk and Muichiro would listen and vice versa, they had the same voice. So every time that the camera was panned on modern-day Muichiro, it was past Yuichiro talking to him. So it made it sound like he was talking to the dead nice brother. So I get it. I was the same way. I actually, this when I started watching it again, I was like, did I get that right or did I get that wrong? So I paid closer attention to what each brother was wearing throughout both sets of flashbacks. Because their, their shirts were the same but opposite color coded. And that's the only way I was able to even pick it up, honestly. Because they, they, they didn't really distinguish. It's almost uh, like they didn't want you to know, in my opinion. Yeah, I I text I texted a Christian. I was like, "Bro, did this happen in the manga? Because if because this is a big change if they if this because I don't remember this happening in the manga whatsoever. Um, because I feel like this would have been a this was a fucking great twist <laughs> that never happened. Would have been yeah, would have been a great twist. It would have been a great twist. Like I I feel let down by it. <laughs> I'm like y'all had something great. And uh, you didn't commit to it, but whatever, whatever. But what were you going to say about the fight? Uh, About the fight? Yeah, I think you were going to mention something about the fight, weren't you? Uh, Yeah, well, one more line here, and that brings us actually to the pinnacle of it. Muichiro finally decapitates Gyoko despite the demon shedding his skin and revealing his fish-like true form. Muichiro then sees visions of his dead family, though his fate is unclear. Uh, and that kind of wraps up the background arc within the overall arc. And without Muichiro's development and seeing Muichiro's past and Kaganasuke in the background working on the sword even though he was getting attacked, I could have done without all that, to be honest with you. I really just – I felt no no vital attachment to Gyoko as a demon. The fight in comparison to what everybody else was doing just seemed a little underwhelming. 
Uh, the Mist Hashira is a badass. Obviously, he's a Hashira, and you got to see some cool animated moves that only a Mist Hashira could do. But I was just kind of like, I was, I was real. I absolutely loved everything going on with Tanjiro and Hantingu and the rest of the crew. And that was probably 70% of the season, but this other 30%, I was cool with or without, to be honest with you. Like, I, I wound up loving Muichiro as a character, which they introduce him as a dickhole, but we just kind of explain why. And, I mean, Haganasuke is just funny. The swordsmith is just hilarious. But without that, like, I was perfectly fine without Gyoko. Definitely not sad when he died. Yeah. Yeah, he was kind of a... Other than him just being super fucking creepy, I thought he was kind of a... No, that whole aspect of the season was kind of just... It just it was like the Tanjiro stuff was kind of up here, and the Muchiro stuff was kind of like down here. Like, it was good. Like, I still enjoyed it, but it paled in comparison to some of the other stuff that we've seen in the Demon Slayer series up to this point. Correct. Now, I think that is a good time to to remind everybody that the Swordsmith Village arc and then this next upcoming arc, uh, what is it called? The uh, Hashira Training arc, I think is what it's called. Um, my two least favorite arcs of the entire series right here. Um, and I think the season three overall made me like this arc. Like, like I enjoyed it. Like, I, I prefer this over the manga. That's all I'll say. No crap, huh? Yeah. Interesting. That's not where I was expecting that to go, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> it, it's not Garlic Jr. Saga bad, like the uh, the, the the manga, but uh, yeah, it took me forever to get through these two arcs in the series. Gross. I was going to ask to borrow them all, but now I don't know that I want to. It's just going to let me down. Oh, no, sir. You, you want to borrow it for the end. <laughs> the end is... Oh. Uh, uh... <laughs> It's fucking amazing. <laughs> okay. As as right. bad as I, I'm not, it's not bad. It's just I, I wouldn't even say it's it's tough to get through. I mean, it's it's just not as good as the rest of the series. I think the rest of the series is just so good that this is just it pales in comparison. And the end of Demon Slayer is so fucking good. I went through the last six or seven manga in the span of like two days, which I had not done for the rest of the series. So the ending is fucking fantastic, sir. Oh, I get that. I, I feel like all manga arcs have to have those like four or five issues somewhere in the dead center that you just have to lull your way through because they're necessary. They're just boring. I did that with hundred years quest too. like book seven through 10 were just kind of meh. And I was like, I've invested a lot of money in this and it has really hurt my feelings. But then when 11 hit, I was like, this is why I spent the $10 a book on this. Now I remember. <laughs> so I, get I, it. I, think, I, I think it'll work better in the anime. The the training arcs and then this arc. Mm -hmm. I, I think they will ultimately work better in the anime uh, because they can. I mean, it's more interesting. They have the fights and whatnot. And then they also have the character right. development side of it. Um, I mean, there's only so much the manga can do. Yeah, I get it. All right. Uh, Yoko's dead. Good riddance. You get it, Muichiro's past, and then we flop back over. Elsewhere in the battle, Tanjiro is nearly killed by Hantingu's demons, but is saved at the last moment by the love Hashira and Mitsuri Kanroji, who joins the fray. 
The penultimate episode is centered on Mitsuri, with not only her past, where she tried to conform to societal expectations being covered up, but also her supremely powerful fighting prowess. With Mitsuri by their side, Tanjiro, Nezuko, and Ginya turn the tide and finally corner an escaping Huntingu. And yeah, last two episodes were just fire. Absolute fire. Love Mitsuri. Her backstory was cool. She was a fucking savage. And every single animation they did with her in combat was just prime. Absolutely prime. Oh, there was something primed, all right, sir. Her backstory <laughs> was great, too, mind you. Yeah, she was dope. She was dope. She was, uh, she was probably, honestly, she's probably my favorite new character in the, in the season. I agree, especially her little sword whip, which was pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it was very confusing at first. Then I was like, oh, it's it's still a sword. It's just, it's also a whip because <laughs> anime. I get it. I get it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely steel that can bend like a rope. Makes sense. I, I don't understand the science behind this, but I'm just going to allow it. But I'm there for it. Yes, I'm there for it. Uh, oh, yeah. The thing that I breezed past a while ago and I said to come back to, you said you thought it would be cool if they split fear into two. When they were chasing him through the forest for the last time before he came out of the clearing and Tanjiro finally caught up with him in the episode before the finale. And then he he grew a bigger, angry version of himself around. I think that was supposed to be like a last minute backed into a corner fight over flight fear manifesting into rage. Because that's when Tanjiro thought that he got him because it was still the fear demon. But he still didn't. So it's not that he split into two, but it's like he was able to coat himself with one as a last resort. Okay, I'll allow it. I see. I see where you're going with that. It's funny I that he allow turned. That into... you allow it. You know those little knickknacks, like back in the fucking old days. It was like the big one, and there's a small one inside it. Yes, that, that's him. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. But uh, Genya's backstory was cool. It was typical Demon Slayer backstory. Uh, my whole family was murdered. Now I'm out for revenge. Um, Muichiro's was kind of the same, but not so much revenge as just survival. But Mitsuri's backstory was so good to me just because it was refreshing and new. It was actually like almost like a happy childhood, and we haven't really seen that yet. Like, I mean, I guess you could say she went through some crap like everybody else did, but her, her baggage was a lot different than most people in this universe, so it was just cool. It was cool because it was different. I agree. And the finale was so good. Not as good as Entertainment District, but still very, very good. I will agree with that. The Entertainment District last episode was fucking awesome. That's probably my favorite episode of an anime, except for the Coliseum battle in Fairy Tale, but seriously, right behind that though. Oh, we're talking about favorite episodes. Oh shit! Yeah, I got I got to resort back to Dragon Ball Z. All my favorite episodes of all time. <laughs> they have about three that are like the best. That's fair. No, no, that's that's not wrong. You're not wrong. But thoughts on the season, sir? Um. I think the overall season is 
I don't think it necessarily hits the heights of season two in terms of because there were some really fucking cool fights in season two. So I, I so I don't think it hits the height of season two in terms of the fights, but I think it's overall more consistent and more even with the storytelling and what's going on than season two. Um, I, I think the first few episodes of season two aren't aren't all that great. Um, they were kind of boring, to be honest with you, uh, trying to set the table for the rest of the season. I mean, they're necessary, but they're kind of boring. Um, but then you also have the Mugen train arc, which I don't, I don't really consider that a part of season two, even though it is, um, I, I consider that just the movie, which I've never actually watched the actual season form of that movie. Now that I'm thinking about it, um, this one is more even, it doesn't have a, a whole lot of episodes where I'm just, it doesn't have any episodes. I'm just like downright didn't like or disappointed by it, it has like little moments here or there that I'm like, eh, we could have done without this a little bit, you know? Like it's a little bit slower, uh, but once it picks up the pace, I don't know, maybe four episodes in, five episodes in, it, it kind of uh, it it kind of elevates itself a little bit. I, I just think it's more consistent than season two, but uh, I'm still gonna give season two probably the overall edge in it. Season one's still the best though. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not gonna argue with that. I, I pretty much just mirror everything you just said. I mean, I I did. I haven't read the manga, so I can't compare it. But I, I love the season. Demon Slayer is one of my top, probably four or five anime all time, even with the the finite amount of episodes that we have in comparison to some other shows that are out there. Um, there were things I can nitpick more so about this season than past seasons, but I still loved it. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's almost like some things they threw in were unnecessary. But at the same time, it's almost like some things almost felt rushed. Now, to be fair, I watched it in half a day, so it probably did seem rushed. <laughs> but at the same time, there were almost some, like, it. I don't know, it was a weird contrast in comparison. Like, Muichiro was in that damn water, water ball for three episodes, and it felt like an eternity. But then the fight itself felt like it was like two minutes, you know? So, I don't know. It just... The, the pacing the, the, is off. Yeah, the pacing seemed ass backwards at times, but I still loved it. Don't get me wrong. I would, if I'm going to give season one a nine and a half and season two a nine, then I guess by everything I'm saying, I'm going to give this one like an eight point seven five. Yeah, I think I think it's a a, a, a cunt hair below season two. Season it's two, man. Tr- it, it's just the see with season two is they just had some the, the fights and then. I think um, the Hashra for that season was just so much better than the two in yep. this season. He was just so more, yep. so much more interesting. And well, there was uh, so much more of him. Exactly, exactly. Like and, this, I would say seven full episodes of this season were strictly combat, which is fine, like because it was cool combat. But you got so much more of dialogue with that Hashra than you did these. You just got to know him a little better, in my opinion. Yeah, better better developed. It's just, man, I can't get over how how I don't want to say they're bad. They're just I, I struggled to get through like the first two, maybe three episodes of season two. But after that, it, it's it's like it's full erection. After that, one hundred percent. 
And, you know, some people will say they don't have uh, Zenitsu and... Um, Inosuke? Inosuke in the season, which they think, oh, it's so much better. I don't really have a problem with either, though. Inosuke, I, it's kind of a disappointment that he's not in any of this, to be honest with you. And I don't, I don't think this is a spoiler, but honestly, they... Like I'm not saying they get kicked out of the series because they don't. Like they're still in the series past this point, but the fact that they get kind of kicked to the side in favor of all the Hashira towards the uh, rest of the series, it's kind of interesting. Um, but like I said, it's not not necessarily like they become super minor characters because they don't. But I'm I was kind of surprised by how how much of a or least of a role they played in the rest of the series and. I actually really like Inosuke. Like the fact that he gets Tanjiro's name wrong every single fucking time is hilarious to me. Well, you have to love him by default for the voice acting, but exactly. honestly, dude, I like Zenitsu more than Inosuke. I think Zenitsu is just wildly underrated. And if you, if you watch the show, knowing he's going to yell unnecessarily, it doesn't bother you. It, it, that's that was my one hiccup was Zenitsu when I first started watching the show. I was like, my God, does this dude ever shut up? But just his personality is hilarious to me, and the fact that he is always trying to thunderclap some cheeks, I just, <laughs> I think it's hilarious, man. I don't know, he's funny. He's definitely not a necessity to the show, but he's definitely a part that it would not be as good without, in my opinion. Of course, adversely so is Inosuke in his own right. And I love how he just goes all savage mode when he falls asleep. Yeah, and never remembers it. <laughs> never remembers it. Like, dude, you're like one of the strongest <clears throat> slayers, but you don't ever remember it. Oh, uh, when Tanjiro used a thunder breathing move to move fast, I was like, bruh. Didn't know you could do that. That was pretty fucking sick. That was pretty fucking sick. Bruh. Fucking awesome. <laughs> fucking awesome. So yeah, y'all let us know in the comments below. If you are listening to us, you can jump to YouTube or vice versa. We're on all the platforms right now. Drop a comment below letting us know what you think about season three of Demon Slayer. Duh, is it your favorite? Is it your least favorite? Uh, let us know in the comments below. And while you're there, make sure you like, subscribe, do all that bullshit. Really helps us out uh, in the long run. Really helps the podcast kind of get out there to uh, other people. And it's what we really need. So appreciate y'all listening and appreciate you liking and subscribing. Moving on. We're kind of running out of time, guys. Uh, moving on to the top 10 anticipated games of 2024. So I'm going to let Chris do his five, and then I'm going to do my five afterwards, and we'll kind of talk about each one. Okay. Um, so I'll go in reverse order. And to be to be honest, guys, Primo didn't lie. This was a pretty hard list to make. 2024 is going to be a lot of backlog. Just, just going to leave with that. There's not just a lot of super exciting things on the docket, if you will. But number five for me is going to be Little Nightmares 3 um, for no particular reason other than I just love the first two. You know, I mean, I, I, I would play Little Nightmares 17 in 2041 if they're still making them. So I love those games. As long as they uh, change the combat. Well, you know what you're getting into, you know, well, in my I, Little Nightmares 2 was fucking great. Hated the combat. No, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it was it was janky. 
Well, I can't think it's because combat was a new concept in Little Nightmares 2, honestly. I don't think they really knew what the hell they were doing because Little Nightmares was just running. It was. You it know, was. and I, I personally prefer that, in my opinion. I like the first game more than the second one, so I'm excited to see how the how the trio's rounded out. But definitely gonna play it for sure. Uh oh, you say we're not alternating, just keep going? Yeah, you just keep going. All right. Uh number four, and this one is with a question mark because I don't know much about it, but Rise of the Ronin. Uh, I know it's a samurai game with dope-ass graphics. So at face value, I really want to play it. This could be a situation where I see a gameplay video in two months, and I'm like, I completely changed my mind. Get that off my list. I'm sorry, Patreon, that I ever led you astray. But from the two previews I did watch, looks pretty fire. So when I saw this on here, I was like, Rise of the Ronin, I gotta, I gotta look that one up. I, I I did a YouTube video and it was Team Ninja, and I was honestly I'm very surprised you had this on your list <laughs> because, um, I don't think you're gonna play it. <laughs> Why wouldn't I play it? Uh, this is, this Are is kind of like, like Sekiro people. Yes, not not oh. from software. It's the people that oh. uh, it's the other team they did neo neo 2 they just did uh wolong fallen dynasty uh this this year uh which i didn't want to play until you told me not to yeah it was just it was it was was too nah not for me not for me um it's it's i'm getting to the point where like i love those from software games and i will 100 play elden ring dark souls bloodborne all that 100 play it like i could go in there and play bloodborne right now if i didn't have fucking other things to do Right, but when it comes to like other people making hard ass games, I have like little to no interest in it because I'd rather just go play other games that I can beat. <laughs> and uh, Team Ninja is getting into that way. I spent probably about six months trying to fucking play Neo Two, whether that was my my schedule or whether me dying to a certain fucking boss a billion times. Um, I just I have other things to do with my life, you know. So Rise of the Ronin, <laughs> like you said, it it looks great. It looks great. It looks kind of like Wolong Fallen Dynasty in terms of like the combat and whatnot. I, I'm I'm gonna have to see more. I'm gonna have to see more before I commit to buying this. Oh yeah. No, no, no. Like I said, I, I might watch one eight minute gameplay trailer and then just apologize publicly. You know, who the hell knows? But face value looked really good. <laughs> All right, number three, Skull and Bones. Kind of like Rise of the Ronin. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I know it is a pirate game from Ubisoft. So if they are finally giving me a sequel to Assassin's Creed Black Flag without calling it Assassin's Creed Black Flag 2, balls deep all in day one. Because there's, I mean, truthfully, in my opinion, there's only one Assassin's Creed game that matters, and it's Black Flag. Like, the other ones are playable, and I didn't hate most of them, but Black Flag is just so vastly superior to the rest of the entire franchise put together that if Ubisoft is finally just saying, to hell with it, give the fans what they want, but leave Assassin's Creed out of it, Chris is there. Sign me up. And it looks dope, too. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I, I looked it up, and I'm intrigued by it. Um, apparently, I, I, they don't know whether it's going to be a multiplayer game, like a live service game, or not. Apparently, mm. there's no like true story mode. It's going to be like missions and shit like that, and just kind of just do shit in the overworld and whatnot, and just be a pirate. 
which is pretty fucking cool. So, oh, so I'm, it's going to be like Sea of Thieves with realistic graphics. That that's kind of what I saw. Oh, you're but, ruining it for me already. But there's not a whole lot of details about it when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, there's really not. You're right. I said so, still fresh. We'll get yeah. More. So yeah. So as soon as they release some more stuff, I'll, I'll get a little bit more hyped for it. But right now, I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm gonna. Well, I'm telling you guys, 2024 is just not going to be great to begin with. So, we really had to dig deep with some of these. <laughs> uh, I'm just now noticing there's not one Switch game on my list, and I'm the Switch guy. So, well, I guess Little Nightmares Three will probably be released on the Switch, but I'm not getting it on the Switch. You know, I'm going to get it on the PlayStation. Exactly. So, Nintendo's going to have a dick year. Preparing for uh, that Switch num- Two, man. Well, yeah, I guess so. All right, number two is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. And I felt a little bad about putting it on this list because I still haven't played the first installment. But the reason I put it on this list is because it comes out in February and my next project is to play the first installment. So piecing together four or five hours a week on my PlayStation 5 at night, this one's probably going to drop right around the time I finish the first one. So... I am living under the assumption that my anticipation will have probably quintupled by then. Yeah, and number great. one, yeah, well, yeah, I, I tried not to watch too much because, like I said, I still haven't played the first one, but yeah. And number one was easy for me. I didn't know this was happening until I started Googling what was happening next year. And Persona 3 Reload is going to be a full remake. And. Oh. Yeah, I've never played three. I almost bought the duo pack for three and four when they dropped it on the Switch last year, and I'm glad I didn't because this one's going to be completely redone. So in my mind, it's just going to be Persona 6 because it's a story I haven't played before with characters I don't know, but it's going to look fantastic. Oh, I thought this was like a remaster. I'm pretty sure it said remake. Oh, ooh. Pretty sure. I have my attention now. Now... If I'm wrong, sorry, but I'm I'm like 95% sure the word remake is what got me so excited about it. So I either massively fumbled or just shocked the world. One of the two. I don't know. <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> so jumping into my five, uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, which is the uh, <laughs> the Final Fantasy Xenoblade Chronicles two. Uh, style looking game, which I started thinking about it because they say Bahamut in the trailer. I was like, bruh. Like, I know it says fantasy in the fucking title, but is this like a Final Fantasy game? So I Googled it, and it's not technically a Final Fantasy game, but a lot of the people that were the creative team for Final Fantasy are creating this game. So, we'll find out. Yes, interesting. That makes it more appealing for sure. So, looks great looks great 100 playing that and that comes out in february i think oh very soon and that so, one's actually a nintendo exclusive right uh no oh it's not i don't think oh. so i don't think so uh these next four <laughs> are not technically confirmed for next year anything else that was confirmed for for next year i was not interested in um so these hopefully will get released next year uh hellblade 2 Viking Iceland looks fucking amazing. I will 100% buy a new Xbox to play that fucking game. Um, huge fan of the first game, and I, I need the second game. I fucking need it. It's going to be so fucking good. 
I'll um, review it with you, but I'm going to have to YouTube it because I'm not buying an Xbox just for Hellblade. My wife killed me. Maybe it'll be on sale, man. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or or maybe we go half seas. Splitsies. <laughs> we'll do uh we'll do um co-parenting. Yeah, there we go. Every hey man, other you weekend. Have... Yeah, you <laughs> We'd be drop terrible co parents because you asked me for your PlayStation 4 back and it took me like three weeks to get it to you. So we'd be awful co parents. We would be. We would be. <laughs> <laughs> uh then I have Hollow Knight Silk Song. Which this got announced like fucking three years ago, so it's got to come out next year, right? I am. You don't think so? <laughs> it's gonna, no, it's gotta, no, it's no. Gotta. We've been we've been lied to so much. It's never happening, man. Maybe like twenty twenty nine. Oh my god, that makes me so sad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm looking forward to this game a lot more so for the fact that. Yes, it's in the same universe, but on the flip side, everything is changing with the combat and whatnot because you're playing with a completely different character. Uh, so super excited about that game. Super excited. Um, the first game, one of my favorite games of all time, uh, excluding the uh, the Great Abyss part of that game. Fuck that, fuck that level. <laughs> every, every game like that has one level that just everybody fucking hates. The Abyss is one of it. Okay, you can't fucking see dick, and it's fucking tough, and yeah, shout out. Misery, <laughs> misery. Um, Hades two, which I honestly do not think mm-hmm. will come out next year. Um, if it does, oh, it'll be. A, I I really don't. I think if it does come out, it'll be at the tail end of next year, maybe the beginning of twenty twenty five. But this revolves around Zag's sister Melano. I'm hoping I say that right. Uh, Princess of the Underworld, as she takes on Kronos, the Titan of Time, who wages war on Olympus. So, obviously, we've talked about Hades, the first game on the podcast, a lot on the first handful of episodes that we've ever done. Um, So, we love the game. And just give me more of the same. You know, that's all I ask. Uh, Not asking you to reinvent the wheel or anything like that. There's going to be a new story, new characters, hopefully new weapons. Other than that, let's fucking go, man. That's all I need. I don't need to watch anything else. Like, honestly, in my opinion, don't even try to upgrade the animation because the animation is what made Hades to me. Exactly. You you could legitimately, I mean, just change the level design a little bit and just change the story up. That's really it. 100% agree. And my number one anticipate it's not even a game i understand y'all fucking get off my dick about this it's dlc but go fuck yourself okay this is my list um elden ring shadow of the air tree dlc is expected to be released next year and the rumor is it's going to be half the length of the fucking game huh 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 that's going to be fucking incredible so we're looking at about 20 a 20, 20, 30 hour long DLC. Bruh. That's a big ass DLC for straight story. Like that is absolutely insane. Yes. So I'm hoping a lot of people are hoping that they actually add stuff to the overworld. That way you can like, maybe like you want to start over, but I want to take some of this DLC with me, you know, and, and get some of the DLC items throughout, throughout the playthrough, which I think they should do. 
Um, hopefully it's not like Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, 3, you know, Dark Souls, the, the OG game. You had to go to a waterfall and fucking go through a portal and it went to the DLC and it was fucking kind of convoluted and shit like that. You had to look it up. Uh, hopefully it's not like that, but I'm going to go ahead and assume it is. I think they're going to add to the map that you already have, and it's just going to be a separate location that you can just somehow uh, get to. I, I think that's what's going to happen. I could be wrong, but that's just my personal opinion. But that is the most, and that's my most anticipated thing for next year, is the Elden Ring DLC. 100%. The year of the backlog, buddy. <laughs> right. Let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. I put 120 hours into that game. When I played it, so dude, it's gonna be a two-hour, two-hundred-hour game, easy. And I still have to beat Melania because fuck that bitch, she's the only thing prevent me from my fucking platinum. Speaking of two hundred hours, did you ever beat Tears of the Kingdom? No. So I have. I charge my Switch every time I go to work to fucking play it, and I never uh-huh. get a chance to fucking play it. Oh, I but feel it, that, dude. You don't have to explain yourself. I've been trying to play Bioshock Infinite for like a month now, so I, I get it. <laughs> That is it's tough to get through that game, anyways. But I digress. Uh, moving on to a uh, weekly recommendation. <laughs> I didn't. Yes. I didn't even give you. I didn't even give you an opportunity to to clap back. No, 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 no need, no need. <laughs> Are you saying that I'm right? I didn't hear what you said. I just assumed it was an insult. Oh, so I was saying uh, it, probably because it's so tough to get through infinite. But that's I digress. Oh, it might be. I'm not going to argue with that until I'm able to play it again because I completely – never mind. We haven't released that yet. Haven't released that yet. Sorry. Almost ruined it for you guys. <laughs> Spoiler alert. All things are not what they seem. <laughs> My weekly recommendation is going to be finishing Attack on Titan. Uh, the newest bit – finally dropped and i'm assuming it's the last part I, the final again i i is it are we sure yes like, yep. I'm, well, okay allegedly allegedly <laughs> all right fair enough well it was really good i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna say it was worth the wait it wasn't it was not it that shit should have been released like six years ago but finally got to wrap it up watched it it was still it, it was still subbed, but I didn't even care because I'd waited so long. Literally the second that I got the Crunchyroll roll update that it was up, I just watched it immediately. Good hour and 20 minutes long. Awesome ending. And I have no idea how it compared to the manga because I never read it. But as for what the show had done up until this point, nice ribbons and bows everywhere they needed to be. I know the... Uh, Probably be the... dubbed in like a week. I don't know. It took the it took the dub of the first part forever to to drop. I haven't watched the first part. I'm waiting for the second part to drop before I watch the first part. Oh well, yeah, I don't know how long it took to to dub honestly because I didn't even know that it was on, and I just randomly one day saw it and I was like, "Oh shit, I haven't seen this one yet." So then I watched that, and then you know, so I don't know how long it sat in the queue. Um, trying to think of what I'm going to recommend to everybody out there. So. I'm going back through Black Clover, but we've already recommended that on the on the podcast before. Um, I'm actually going to recommend The Office. 
I don't know if I, I don't know if that's even a good recommendation because people either have watched it already or haven't. I actually we just started watching it uh, for the first time, me and the wife. For the uh, first time, okay. For the first time, so we are almost through with season one, which is only like six episodes. Um, it, it, it's I, I've heard it's a little tough to get through, like the first handful Two of episodes. Yeah. yeah, and then it kind of really starts finding its own. Um, yeah. But dude, when it fucking hits, man, it fucking hits. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's I, I made a silly face at first because I just haven't heard anybody talk about The Office in so long. But if you guys have actually never seen it before, it's a very enjoyable like marathon. It really is a good show. After season two. After season two. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. One and two aren't bad, but they really aren't. But you will. And I, I don't think I've ever heard a single person argue with just the the, the general fact that the show jumps from like a six to a nine somewhere in the beginning of season three so you know actually i will agree with that i think i think it's like a six or a seven right now like it, it's good there there are some spots that i'm like oh wow like i'm not i'm not getting any laughs out of this <laughs> like this isn't funny whatsoever yeah it, it, you'll go stretches without out laughing at all um but i've, I've heard that about it so I, I do have those expectations kind of going into it. I, I didn't realize it lasted that long though yeah, I mean, see, I would say there's a jump from one to two as well, but it's not as big. For me, I would say one go, two goes from a six to a seven, but then three jumps from like a seven to a nine. So, I mean, it does get progressively better. It just gets a lot better after season two. Like I said, I don't know. I don't know if that's even a good recommendation for people. I mean, most people have already seen it if they want to see it. Uh, but yeah, that's just something I, I just started watching with the wife and, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it as a late night watch. Yeah. Uh, oh, she, she's, she's watching the office now cause friends makes her sad. Is that... Yes. Yes. I, I get it. Feel that <laughs> in my soul, man. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> she was watching videos about that shit for, for fucking days. <laughs> oh man. She, she took it hard. sir. she took it hard. No. Uh, trust me, our wives would be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, I appreciate you joining me for this episode. A little mini deep dive into Demon Slayer. I was not expecting it to take that long, but I'm not mad at it either. So, nope, it'd be like that. <laughs> it'd be like but that sometimes. Thanks for having me, and thanks for making me watch the third season again in seven hours. I actually thoroughly enjoyed that. I needed that little mini vacation day. Yeah, I was, you're like I'm a, I'm a binge watcher all day today. Uh, that's impressive. Not gonna lie, it's impressive. Mm, no, no, in the background, you know, so it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Air quotes, <laughs> yes, definitely did not do work so I could watch it. It was in the background, it's obviously. all good, obviously. Yeah, well, guys, we appreciate y'all joining us for this episode. Like I said, leave us a comment below, like, subscribe, do all that. bullshit there's uh links down below to our patreon patreon.com slash two game come join us there we got some several events planned for the next uh couple months so come join us at patreon so you can get access to that and then we also have links to our merch go buy a hoodie starting to get a little chilly outside perfect time to buy it and it also helps the podcast and then there's also links to our social media accounts as well. So go there and uh, follow us. Other than that, we appreciate y'all clicking on this episode every week and watching us. And we will catch y'all next week on another episode. Laters.
Later, everybody.